Welcome back to Essential Viewing. I'm Cole Dillon. This week, Bryce, Chris, and I sat down to discuss the highly anticipated The Batman, the newest installment in the Cape Crusaders film run, directed by Matt Reeves and starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, and Jeffrey Wright. If you'd like to watch along with us, next week, I'm having the guys watch Risky Business, the 1983 teen sex comedy directed by Paul Brickman and starring Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay. As always, give us a follow on Letterboxd and Instagram. There are links to those in the description. The Batman is a rich and lengthy film and thus had to be accompanied by a rich and lengthy podcast. So please stay tuned. I know you're going to like it. All right, and we are back with another episode of Essential Viewing in the live format. And on today's episode, we'll be discussing The Batman, written and directed by Matt Reeves and starring, of course, Robert Pattinson, along with Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, and Colin Farrell, and Paul Dano. Who can forget Paul Dano? Um, but yeah, and we're going to be talking about The Batman today, but you know, we want to hear from you about uh, the Batman, about our, our round table, really about anything that's on your mind. So drop us a line at the uh, Essential Viewing Instagram. That's essential underscore viewing. And, uh, you know, leave us a voice message at the link in the description. So before we get into the Batman, let's, hover, let's head over to the Essential Viewing round table. This is where we discuss the films, the television, the media that we've been consuming in the week since our last episode. So, uh, Bryce, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I got a pretty packed round table here. Um, see how much I can get through. I, the first thing was I watched the, um, the Poirot mystery, The Death on the Nile. Uh-huh. It's Kenneth Branagh. I think Chrissy watched this a couple weeks ago. I did. Um, I liked it a lot. I thought like the beginning was like a little slow until like the actual like deaths on the Nile started happening. Um, but once those started started going, I thought it was like super engaging and super good. Um, Kenneth Branagh is like great in these these movies, and I, I think I like this one a bit more than Orange Express, just because I had like read Orange Express before, so I knew what would happen, what had happened. But in this one, I was like mm. coming in completely blind, so kind of getting pulled along for the ride was super fun. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce around a bit. I watched I finished the uh, DC's Peacemaker TV show, which is the follow-up to the Suicide Squad movie we watched a while back here on the podcast, um, starring John Cena's character. And this was this was just a super fun, really great show. Um, it has, like, that uh, very distinct, like, James Gunn style in that it's, like, very, like, childish and, like, gory and and crass and funny, but also, like, it still has, like, a lot of, a lot of heart um, backing it up. So... This was a great time. John Cena is fantastic in it. Um, the action is very like WWE <laughs> style. <laughs> um, and it actually, in one of the first episodes, John Cena's character actually gets like they like have like the camera like is just sitting on like a, on a wall and like they're in a fight and he gets like thrown through the wall. <laughs> um, you know, like the, like the meme where John Cena busts through a wall. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a good time, and the supporting cast is super good, and it's really it's really interesting because like they take like who was like one of like the most unlikable characters <laughs> from the Suicide Squad movie, like he's like an asshole in that movie, right? And they, they do a lot with him. They like a lot of development. You get a lot of his backstory, and like he he comes a long way over the course of the show. Um, but but I liked it a lot, and there is like an insane 
a couple of insane cameos in the last episode <laughs> that, that I don't want to spoil. Um, I like accidentally saw the cameos on YouTube, but it's it's pretty oh. cool. Is yeah. it is it all the characters that die at the beginning of the Suicide Squad? No, it's crazier than that. Um, okay. okay, I'm not going to spoil it here it. on the podcast in case people want to watch the show, but it, it, it's 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 just a really funny joke essentially they throw in, but but it's crazy. Um, nice. And then I also watched the movie on Netflix, Tick Tick Boom, with uh, Andrew uh, Garfield, the musical. A movie about a musical. <laughs> well, no, it is it is a musical, but it's yes. about it's about Jonathan Larson who. As, as you okay, maybe you guys don't know, but he curated the the show Rent, which is like a I, huge. Tr- trust me, Bryce. I'm I'm well aware. <laughs> which Not is like by a, choice. Oh, it's, it's just like a massive show, but he like tragically like dies like before the first show was ever put on. Um, but this movie is about like the first musical he had come out before, or no, it is an adaptation of his first ever like musical that was staged called Tick Tick Boom. The musical itself was like. I didn't know anything about it before watching this. I knew about Rent, but I didn't know about this show. Um, but it was literally, it's literally like a three-person show. His original thing was like a band on the stage, and it's called like a rock monologue. <laughs> and like very, very like drawn back, just like talking, monologuing, and like singing um, with like the band and stuff. But this movie like wraps a lot of that together and expands on it. Um, and it was super cool how they did it because like, editing cuts between like an actual um like stage production like the original show would have been and then like it splices that in together with like you know the actual like what the stage event is like the story it's telling like in real life um and andrew garfield is is really great in it so like i think the editing in this movie was fantastic and then andrew garfield's performance was also really great um and they do some cool things kind of mixing up musical numbers making them kind of unique from each other like there's like the classic like everybody dancing broadway show style but then there's like a random like 90s like mtv a scene that's shot like a 90s like mtv like rap music video (laughs) Hmm. um and there's like this one segment that kind of really reminded me of like a what a weird owl song might sound like um but it was super cool i liked it a lot and then the last thing <laughs> was another TV show. I've been watching The After Party on Apple TV Plus, which is like another murder mystery thing. Um, lots of murder mysteries this week, including Batman also. <laughs> but um, the, the plot is that like these, these characters went to their high school reunion and then they go to like the, uh, Dave Franco's After Party, who was like a famous music star and actor. In, Wait, in the Dave show. Franco? Yeah. He's oh, not playing himself, but like he's playing like oh, a Dave okay. Franco type. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he he in the in the show he's the star of movies such as Hungry Hungry Hippos 2 Still Hungry. Oh, and I, am. I see. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of fallen off. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like that's not too far from him who like his actual recipe. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> but um the, the interesting thing about the show is that like so every episode is like following like the story of another one of the characters that's like a suspect, like from their perspective, like them telling Tiffany Haddish, who's like the um, the detective, like their their side of the story, and like each character's story is like shot as like a parody of like a different type of movie. <laughs> so like one wow. character's story is like a parody of like a rom com, then the next one is like a parody of like a Fast and Furious like action film. 
And then the next one is like a parody of like a um, psychological thriller. And then the next one is like a musical. <laughs> so like, wow. it's pretty cool. Um, the episodes are pretty brief at like 30 minutes, but like how it keeps switching them up keeps it keeps it super interesting. And it's kind of cool trying to figure out like who's lying by seeing like who tells their story different ways and whatnot. Um, and, and, and it's it's pretty funny. And it's it's uh, made by... Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who have done a lot of comedy sort of stuff. Don't like they, they do did the, the Lego movies. They did like the Lego movies, the Twenty One Jump Street movies. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's why Dave Franco's in it. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 nothing like super special, but it's definitely like a unique take, kind of on this this mystery genre, and you're kind of parroting these different styles. So I've been I've been having fun with it, and it's got like a lot of actors you might be familiar with from like comedy TV shows, like. Parks and Rec or like Veep and stuff like that. So um, huh. it's it's a good time. But yeah, that's yeah. that's what I've got in my packed uh, round table this week. Well, let's keep going around the round table <laughs> over to Cole. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, mine was extremely brief this week. Um, I, I I left the, the theaters Saturday night after seeing the Batman and I didn't take my cowl off. I was mm. ready for more high-flying bat-swinging action. And so last night I threw on Joel Schumacher's 1995 Batman Forever. Oh, <laughs> with, with the Jim uh, Carrey. Yeah, the Jim Carrey one <laughs> with uh, Val Kilmer starring as Batman, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, and Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. Um, Nicole Kidman's in there as well as kind of the love interest for Bruce Wayne. I think I've seen this movie before, but it was so long ago I couldn't really remember. And yeah, I kind of I'm... wanted to see maybe like what was potentially the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of a Batman <laughs> film. And like, it was not good. It's, um, it, it's, it's pretty like Val Kilmer is kind of whatever. Um, I remember, I think the, the three of us watched the 1989 Batman with, uh, Michael Keaton, uh, when we were, you know, I think freshman in college. And I remember liking that movie actually quite a bit. Um, that one's like dark, but still has like some corny parts in it. Yeah, this one is just like really goofy all the way around. Jim Carrey, like he does, he kind of does the same thing in at least like most of his '90s movies, where he's just like wacky and, and insane. And um, I think that that kind of translates well to, to the Riddler. Um, a couple more takeaways I got: Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face is like totally unhinged and really kind of bizarre. It's the most animated I've ever seen Tommy Lee Jones on screen. Um, kind of to the point where um. My, we were watching we were watching it and my roommate was like oh like why does the joker look like that and i was like that's not the joker it's tommy it's two-face i'm looking um, at the poster and i see it's just like half of his face is painted purple purple yeah <laughs> it's it's also it, there's kind of this cool scene where um his lair is like this long room that's comp split perfectly in half and huh. one side is like all nice and like kind of like heaven themed and like a lot of like white and and like sparkles and like nice furniture and stuff and the other one is like black and red and like looks like a satanic church's <laughs> like like uh like i guess it's just a satanic church and he has two like like lady assistants one of whom is like bad and one of whom is good <laughs> it's just like wow. really wild um the, the other thing is like the one thing I, I remember with the Tim Burton films is that the establishing shots and kind of Gotham City is this very gothic environment with like lots of steam and it's very gritty and grimy. And yeah. for, for some reason in Batman Forever, they've all of the exterior shots are like poor 3D renderings that look just like bizarre. 
like they they have aged incredibly poorly and there is this one the first shot that i saw in the movie was just like it, it looked like you were playing a video game that was set in like 2150 or something ridiculous <laughs> like it's it's just this very odd film um it's it, it's like if you have i wouldn't even say like it's so bad it's good it's almost there but it's not quite um huh. the ba- batman so. and the robin is so bad it's good with um Schwarzenegger's yeah, I, Mr. I, Freeze. Yeah. I kind of wish I had watched that one. I think that's also the one where, where cause I, another thing, the character, the actor that plays Robin in Batman forever is Chris O'Donnell. He reprises his role in Batman and Robin, but Val Kilmer doesn't. <laughs> George Clooney becomes <laughs> Batman, which is, which is also bizarre. And I think that Batman and Robin is the one where George Clooney flashes the bat card and it's like a yes, special yes. platinum grade credit card. Um, and that's all for me this week. I, I, I only had a, a I had a bat filled week. So Chris, you want to take us home? Yeah. So only one item in my my round table. But uh, you know, I did a I did a Colin Farrell double feature this weekend. Uh, I went I went down to the uh, the new Alamo Draft House that we have here in in, in the city, and I saw uh, After Yang. Um, it it's it was an interesting movie. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like this kind of classic like A twenty four like art house mood piece type thing that like you know often leaves you kind of a little bit unsatisfied, but also <laughs> has a lot of cool imagery and like just cool moments in it. You know, um, I would I would honestly it's a very similar sort of movie to lamb in a way just because it's like it explores a lot of like emotional ideas in a very kind of visceral and like like uh you know immersive kind of way but it doesn't really do anything like there's there's a there's like so many concepts in it basically the the setup is that like um i mean i i I wouldn't even say this is a movie where it's like oh you you shouldn't know anything about it before you watch it because it's not it's not like a it's not like it's a thriller or a mystery or anything like that. It's literally just sort of like this emotional mood piece. So basically, they have a, a Colin Farrell and his wife, who's played by Jodie Turner Smith. Um, they've adopted a, a child from China, and apparently, in this world of the movie, it's common if you adopt a Chinese child to like get a robot clone to be their older sibling. Don't ask me why, but that's okay. that's what the movie <laughs> explained. Um, so the 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 older sibling that they get that's a robot to be like a, a sibling to their adopted child is named Yang, right? Um, and Yang malfunctions at the beginning of the movie, stops working, hence the title after Yang, because Yang is broken and won't turn on. Um, so the rest of the movie is just like Colin Farrell like wandering around trying to get Yang fixed. And eventually he's able to like access Yang's memories. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the movie kind of ensues from there. But again, nothing really happens. It just sort of like a lot of like flashbacks and like a lot of cool music and a lot of cool like weird like animated sequences. Sounds like all of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think you'd like it. I mean, I I felt like it was supposed to be like a really heartfelt, emotional movie that was like this sort of portrait of like, you know, many lives lived and like emotions that are felt across the course of many lifetimes. But like it just didn't really do it for me. Um I didn't. I wasn't really expecting anything, but this definitely wasn't what I was expecting, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I I think I think Bryce, you'd probably like it. And look, I didn't hate the movie. Like I think it, I think it was a good movie. I just didn't like it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, 
That's yeah. the like the little heart button on Letterboxd is for. Yeah, like it was good, you know, but it just didn't really do that much for me. Um, but but Bryce, I would definitely recommend that you check it out. I think I think you like it. Cole, Cole, cool. you yeah. could probably live without it. Just yeah. just knowing what I you know we've obviously been doing this for a while, and I know how you guys rate movies, so that's that's my prediction. Um, but yeah, that's all I had. Um, so let's uh, let's let's get up from the round table. Let's push in our chairs. Let's get in let's the Batmobile. Head, let's get in the Batmobile. <laughs> and head to the cave. And let's head to the cave and let's get on our computers and let's Google El Rata <laughs> de <lot>. Lada. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Oh, my God. Uh, but anyways, um, the synopsis. Uh, Bryce, why don't you synopsize this film for us? All right. I, we're going to stay spoiler free for a bit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, it's Gotham City, you know, where Batman lives. Um, he's about two years on the job. Um, and then people start dying and he has to investigate the murders. And then Catwoman shows up. That is the briefest and best synopsis I think you've provided, Bryce. Bravo. That was, that was great. Um, dare I say you could maybe give a little more detail <laughs> I don't know, like, what to say without, like, spoiling just, like, the plot. Like, it's very well, confusing. Like, there's a the, lot that happens. Who's the central villain? Yeah. The, the main I villain guess. is the Riddler, right? Okay. Played by Paul Dano. And he's kind of, like, leaving clues for the Batman to, like... Like, at every murder he does, he, like, leaves, like, a note for Batman with a clue in it. And then he has to, like... He tries to p- pick the pieces together to figure out... Um, who's who's going to be next to be killed or like why he's even doing these these killings in the first place mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like a game of game of cat and mouse between batman and the riddler batman's assisted by by catwoman at some parts by um not not commissioner gordon yet he's just like what, i think he's captain? a lieutenant lieutenant, lieutenant or something lieutenant like james gordon played by jeffrey Wright. And they're they're kind of helping out going into the gotham underworld um the falcone criminal syndicate gets in, involved the penguin gets involved and and yeah just a, just a lot of stuff happens yeah I, that's it's, pretty good yeah. i don't know i don't know like it's just them like solving the mystery like i don't know how it's to, a hard-boiled detective mystery yeah dare i say almost the noir when you bring in that narration from robert pattinson you know it's it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, getting over into that it's, territory. it's very much um paul schrader's batman yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, well, that's that's the synopsis. So let's uh let's head over to the bullpen and oh, the bear man. pit. Oh shit. <laughs> and let's, 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 I hear the bears are hungry today. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 hear what you guys thought about the movie. Cole. Oh, man. Yeah. So loose. I think at the end of 2021 in our year year in review episode i think i said that this was one of my most anticipated films of the no, year no 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 cool that was that was moonfall okay no i said moonfall and this and moonfall dis- was pretty disappointing those words now but. yeah well moon, moonfall like was was disappointing and not good i knew that was going to be bad i had hopes for the batman and i'll say that i walked away i think i liked the movie i did not love it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I was bullish coming in just because I, I like Robert Pattinson. Um, I haven't actually seen any other films that Matt Reeves has directed. So you haven't you seen guys, Cloverfield. 
Oh, yes. Sorry. You I haven't have seen, seen any Clo of the Planet of the Apes movies? I haven't seen any of the Planet of the Apes movies. I forgot he did the Cloverfield movies. Even the... He did the shitty one, right? That they dumped on Netflix. No, no, he, no, he did like the OG he Cloverfield, just did the original one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've never, I haven't seen the original Cloverfield. I've seen Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is actually oh. like pretty solid. Oh, okay. Um, he he didn't do that one. Okay. Yeah, that well, and anyway, so so um, I guess I haven't seen any Matt Reeves films. Uh, <laughs> and so I and you know I don't know. I think it's I'm generally I think if there's a superhero that I am a big fan of, it would be Batman. Um. I have read several of like the kind of extended graphic novels, not long, um, uh, not like really a comic fan, but the like some of the graphic novels like The Long Halloween, um, The Dark Knight Returns. And there's this one that I wanted to recommend you, to you guys called it's I think it's Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth, which is mm -hmm. like one of the most visually disturbing graphic novels I've ever read in my entire life. You guys love to check out some of the artwork for that. And the listeners at home can check it out as well. You haven't read um, Year One or Killing Joke. I no, I've read Killing Joke. Okay. I haven't read Year One, but I've seen the animated film. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Batman. Uh, I was I had I was looking forward to this movie, but I wanted to come in with tempered expectations. I think that it is visually very impressive. I loved the the way that they depicted. Gotham City in being this kind of like I, I heard a, I read a really good description of it it's like a hybrid New York Chicago and London and I think yeah. they actually did most of the production in London it had yeah. a lot of these like gothic architecture motifs a lot of like the a lot of like dark uh cinematography but with like lots of orange in the background which I thought looked great um the Batmobile design for this film is like oh. incredible I think it might be my favorite Batmobile oh. ever. I thought it, <laughs> it it looked so cool. Oh. Um, however, I think that they there's that it was kind of a wasted in the the one scene that we got to see the Batmobile in action. Sadly, um, but my biggest gripe with the film is that I thought the writing was kind of weak or pr pretty weak. Um, a lot of the dialogue interactions, like they weren't necessarily bad. There were some bad ones, um, but uh, I thought that the writing was just pretty weak. The worst part was I felt like there was a lot of exposition. Um, mm. There was a lot of just characters talking to each other and explaining things that happened in the past and explaining what was happening. And I understand that the nature of this film revolves around the Riddler and him setting riddles and leaving them for Batman. And obviously there needs to be some discussion. But even in those scenes when the Riddler was riddling, Batman was just like super fast and, and coming at with coming at everyone with the answers and they he didn't was really... fast except for in the the one situation where he <laughs> he, he like should have been the fastest yes <laughs> we'll get and to that so later. <laughs> yeah so i i yeah i think it is extremely overrated looking at reviews on letterboxd like i was just scrolling through yesterday and today and saw like every review is like four and a half five stars yes. like repeatedly and yeah. i think that a lot of that is people slobbing robert pattinson's knob as well as just like uh zoe kravitz stands i thought both of them were fine in the film but it seems like just these two actors being in this film together is like getting people to give out five stars left and right yeah <laughs> um so i'll say that i i was definitely more disappointed than i wanted to be leaving this theater but overall i think i i thought it was an a good movie but it wasn't it wasn't spectacular it wasn't amazing hmm. um chris what do you, you want to weigh in yeah i mean 
you know, I, I, I wasn't really hyped because I, I, I was saying this to you guys before, like, I, I feel like there's been so much just crap coming out in the movie theaters that, like, it's impossible to get hyped for anything. The last movie I got really hyped for was Tenet, and that was just a hot mm. steaming pile of garbage. So, I, no, I kind of liked it. No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, like, it was hard to get hyped for this, but, you know, obviously... I think the Batman is arguably like the most as far as like when you look at characters that have been recurring over the decades and years, Batman is arguably the most iconic. I mean, it's, it's a head off between him and James Bond. And I would say Batman is probably more iconic even than James Bond. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, obviously that you got to be at least a little excited when there's a new Batman iteration coming out. This movie I'm conflicted because, uh, you know, on the one hand, like, I feel like they really nailed the tone that I've always wanted from, from, like, when I talk about, like, I wish that these superhero movies were like this, like, this is what I'm describing. Like, they have, like, you know, they get into all the pageantry of, like, the kind of comic book world. Like, it's, it's simultaneously grounded, yet also over the top in a way mm -hmm. that, that feels like fantastical yet also like completely realistic you know um and you have this like wild world of gotham and the city is just like so perfectly rendered and like the tone is just so like dark and you know it just it just feels mysterious and like you just really want to get immersed in that world that they're drawing on screen you know and that that's helped by like just a supporting cast that's just going full tilt everybody's knocking it out of the park in the supporting cast. And that brings me to the downsides of the movie, which is that, like you said, Cole, um, the writing is problematic in some areas. Like it really has like some weak moments in it that kind of mm -hmm. like stop it from being like a great movie, which it was so close to being, to being just legendary honestly with the, because of the way that they the way that they built up this world but but the writing they failed and also i think you have a supporting cast which like i feel like the main actors who it's a very fashionable kind of trendy casting robert pattinson and zoe kravitz it's like you know it's like they're they're like tre if trending the word trending was two people it'd be them you know but they're yeah. out they're outgunned in t completely by the supporting cast like they're like I, I felt like they were a little bit out of their depths up yep. next to all these killers in the supporting cast. Colin Farrell going crazy, Jeffrey <laughs> Wright, Paul Dano. I mean, it's just, it's like a shark pit, you know, John Turturro. Uh, yeah. I felt like I was watching Uncut Gems too, watching him and playing pool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was just amazing watching all these supporting actors. And then it's like you kind of get back to, to Batman and Zoe Kravitz and it just feels a little deflated when you've mm -hmm. been watching all these amazing supporting performances. So, you know, I think that this was right on the edge of being just amazing. People are on Letterboxd. I was reading some of these Letterboxd reviews. People are on Letterboxd saying this is better than The Dark Knight. It's like, stop. Uh, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> stop. Yeah. It's, it's stop. tough. I, I, so part of the reason why I wanted to watch Batman Forever, if you can think of, if you you can think of someone wanting to watch that film, is like to see the goofier side of Batman. Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, you know, growing up, we're we're relatively young, and so for me, like the Nolan Batman trilogy was kind of the, not the de facto Batman, but it's the one I grew up with, and so 
dark and gritty Batman was maybe more or less the norm or kind of the first thing that jumps yeah. in my mind. But for a long time, that wasn't the case. Like, if you look at the, the Adam West cartoons, those were super <laughs> goofy. And I think that there are some aspects of this, like, goofiness in the Batman as well, in some ways. I, I think they were intentional. They may have been unintentional, which is maybe more of a problem. Um, but, yeah, some people are just, like, the, the letterbox reviews are, yeah. like, it, they don't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, Bryce, are you with the Bulls or are you, are you with, with the Bears? Yeah, so going into this, I was pretty... Um, I was pretty... I'm forgetting again. I was pretty pretty <laughs> bullish because the... I mean, the trailers had me hyped. Like, I remember, like, sitting in the theater watching something else, and, like, the trailer for this came on, and, like, I literally got, like, goosebumps, like, <laughs> because of the trailer. And then um, I think I was pretty excited going into it. I was a little bit bearish just because, like, you know, there have been so many other... Batman movies in the past. I mean, Cole referenced Batman Forever, which already gave us the perfect um, Riddler performance from Jim Carrey. Ah, uh, yes. Um, there's also been, you know, what else? There's we've we've gotten the best Batman performance ever from um, George Clooney in Batman and Robin, <laughs> and then the last Batman movie came out was like you know the best movie ever made, Batman versus Superman. So <laughs> I was I was going into this and I was like, how could they how could they top any of those other those those other movies? Um, of course, the older Batman movies I'm actually referring to are the Tim Burton ones and the Christopher Nolan ones. Um, mm. <laughs> but I, I really liked it. I, it sounds like I liked it a lot more than you guys did. Um, I did not, the writing, nothing, none of that ever crossed my mind at all when I was watching this. I don't really know what you guys are referring to, and I'm sure we'll get into that later in the podcast. Um, but... I thought it was super cool how they they showed off Gotham City in this movie. Like it's definitely my favorite like on-screen presentation of just the city of, of Gotham ever. Like it's so so much like darker and and wetter and grimier than like it's ever been <laughs> it's ever yeah. been been portrayed as and it's just like yeah. such like a setting. Like it reminded me like I think this is like the best kind of sense of setting I've got in a movie since actually watching the um original Candyman movie. Yeah. A while ago when that came out, like I, I was getting similar vibes in this as I did that, just kind of how, how good the setting was. Um, I, I really, really, really liked how it was actually like Batman as a detective movie, yep. um, yeah, yeah. which we've never really gotten before. Like the other ones are, there is like some detective work, like in the dark night, you know, but it's more just like superhero movie. Yes. He has to like swoop in, save the day. Um, so I really like that about it. Um, I really like that it was three hours long. I never felt, yeah. <laughs> I never felt it the length. So like that um, was definitely a plus. Um, I thought Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz were super good. Like I thought like the tension, the sexual tension between them was like really well done. Um, and Zoe Kravitz as I, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, like I watched the movie Kimmy that she starred in. Um, yeah. And it's interesting watching this because, like, her acting, like, completely unrecognizable between the two performances in the two movies. So, like, mm. as far as I'm concerned, like, she was she's she's diving into these roles completely. Um, and just like the action with regards to Catwoman reminded me like very heavily of some of the Batman Arkham games. Um, yeah. And just like the Catwoman kind of character in this reminded me a lot of those games, and I and I love those games. So, um, I like seeing that. It was also really cool seeing like. Batman, like a younger, you know, he's only he's only two years on the job on this, which is like, even like in Batman Begins, like it felt like he was still like, 
kind of like a grizzled like on top of everything once um you know he got back from his, his training montage um yeah even though he just yeah. starts in, at like starts out in batman begins right? yeah and, and this like it really mm-hmm. felt like he was like a novice um which mm-hmm. is like a very unique take he's batman's always just kind of like this in, impenetrable figure emerging yeah. from the shadows that like you have no chance of, of defeating but in this one yeah. he still does emerge from the shadows but like he gets shot and like beat up a lot and like makes a lot of mistakes um yeah so it was really cool <laughs> seeing that different the different take on it and then just kind of like batman's story arc throughout the movie right he starts off kind of like just this i don't know this may be spoilers but like he starts off like he kind of becomes more of a hero of the people um as the movie goes on and i really liked that that um that growth that he went through and that that change yeah. um and then I thought it was really clever also how like the whole Riddler storyline and all of the reasons he was doing his, his killings eventually wound up um, kind of reconnecting back to Bruce Wayne and his his past. And I think that's a spoiler because they kind of show that in the trailer. I mean, we're, we're a half hour in. It's a spoiler yeah. zone, folks. If you so starting, already, so starting now, that's, that's my initial impression. I really yeah. liked it a whole lot. And, and just like the cinematography and like... Well, is like outstanding in this as well. Um, well, listen, so like I, I now we're now off, we're full now we're full spoilers. Yeah, zone. we're spoilers on. <laughs> listen, I came off. The thing is, I came off too bearish in my Buller Bear. I wanna I wanna restate myself. Watching this movie was like amazing. Like that's my point. Is like this movie was like absolutely amazing to watch, but the movie fell short of being iconic, right? And yeah. I feel like the tragedy is the movie was so good that the things that they got right are so impressive that it it makes the things that they got wrong so much more disappointing because it almost feels in a way like they got the easy things wrong and the hard yeah. things right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? All right, like time, they, time for fisticuffs. What did they get yeah. wrong? Well, again, like... <laughs> Give me some specifics here. Let's go. Well, okay. Like, well, well, first, let me say some of the good things. Like, you know, this totally new, like, rendering of, of Batman as, like, you know, he's on his Sigma male grind set. Oh, you know man. what I'm saying? <laughs> he's, like, 5,000 days into no fap. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, cut that out. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, that's staying in. That's it, staying in. But um, my point is, like, you know, you have this, like, more analog tactile kind of batman christian bale is like the silicon valley batman like he's got all the tech yeah he's you know, the batman he's that's the a ceo yeah, yeah he's got the computers plugged into his eyes robert pattinson's batman literally just carries his stuff around in a bag like he's got his <laughs> like super in a reclusive like depressed yeah batman. he's yeah. like he's like the money is like running out like they, they mentioned like at the end of the movie like the money is running dry like he barely can afford to even be batman you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he's like it's like it feels like a really like gritty New York Batman like struggling to make ends meet just like everybody else in the city you know what I'm saying and just scrounging along in the gutter you know and like you know even the Batmobile is like this this rugged stripped down like Mad Max Batmobile oh, that thing just, is so cool it's just awesome you know what I'm saying and like you have all these gritty you have all these gritty characters like like I mean, that scene in the police station, for example, with him and Jeffrey Wright, I just like love that scene. You know, it's like there's so many, there's so many things that got right with the tone, but then you have like the plot, which was like it got a bit dubious at times. And also like the thing, one other thing that I think is tragic is like you know the Riddler, right? Like 
Now, mm. Paul Paul Dano was fantastic as the Riddler when you see him on screen. But the thing about the Riddler is that a lot of his character is expressed through his riddles. So it's like the character is being expressed, but you're not actually seeing him. And some of that stuff was a little weak. And the thing that comes to mind the most is actually a pretty critical element of the movie. This business with the Spanish rhyme yeah. riddle, you are el rata alada.com. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they, they should have just asked us like in the group chat to be like, Give us some better wordplay than this, because we we literally drop better wordplay on each other than that, like all the time. Like it just, I was just, it just felt like, how did this get through? Like, who? How did they write? How did Matt Reeves write that and didn't think it sounded <laughs> stupid? How did they film it and not think it sounded stupid? Like, yeah. how did they watch it back in the edit room and not think it sounded? It's like at no point did anyone say, "Wait, we should do something better than this." Yeah. You, know what I'm you kind of get the the play between the Penguin and then Batman and and. Uh, James Gordon like he kind of roasts them up for it yeah. for not getting it earlier but it still doesn't really salvage that it's kind of a dumb it's pretty riddle. dumb like I, I I don't know yeah I I totally agree with you I was sitting in the theater during that scene I was like yo for real like are they actually doing this right now no well, like did you and figure like, it out before they did no but it's just it's like it's so stupid <laughs> it's like I didn't I didn't like I wouldn't think that the entire plot of the movie would hinge on something so dumb is the thing <laughs> Like, I mean, that was just like one riddle out of like seven. I know, but and look, it sounds like a nitpick, but but here, th here's the thing: they spent like forty minutes on that. Yeah, it's also very. I thought it was difficult too because when I think of a riddle, it's like okay, you have this this setup, and then and this is not going to become essential riddling, but it's no. um it, setup, and then you have the answer, and there's typically like I don't know, you could justify maybe multiple answers, but the fact that they're like. Oh, they, they, they come up with multiple answers that lead them to these different dead ends where they're like, oh, a, a penguin is a bird that that doesn't fly. And so they go into the penguin and then they go to like they're like, oh, it's a bat like it's Batman or oh, it's uh, a falcon like Carmine Falcone. And it's just I, I don't know. I, the 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 actual like plot structure there was when I was like, OK, this is kind of ridiculous that it's coming to this. Yeah. As, as you describe it now, it seems like dumber than when I was watching it. It didn't really dawn on me then but like breaking it down to like three sentences versus like 40 minutes feels like a lot different to me it, it really pulled me out of it honestly because like look the riddler is defined by his wit like that's literally like it's like wit as a villain you know what i'm saying and like if you cannot come up with something like and for the rest of the, the scenes involving the riddler i was totally with it like the scene with when they were uh, at the funeral for the the mayor and then mm. the DA drives in and is in the SUV and then he's got the bomb strapped around his neck and then the Riddler gives him the three riddles. It's like, what's cruel, poetic, and blah, blah. And it's it's like, I was like totally locked in. I was like, this is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like, you know, everything was going perfectly with this kind of showdown between Batman and the Riddler. You know, they're both like masterminds playing five-dimensional chess against each other. And then it's like, El Rata alada.com and I'm just like well they didn't oh. add the dot com till after the credits right well yeah but yeah. it was URL and then Batman is like oh URL like the internet yeah it was <laughs> I, I yeah there were some bogus moments for sure um, some of the other ones that that come to mind are 
I know, Chris, you were saying that Paul Dano was really great as the Riddler, and I think he was until the scene where Batman confronts him at Arkham, and mm. he has his mask off, and he's just looking like a normal incel, not a masked <laughs> incel. And, oh, um, man, I was getting, like, vibes there, back to, like, I the, was saying incel versus incel, the showdown. Right? I yeah, was, I was ultimate. getting vibes back to, like, the, the Batman-Joker prison interrogation and dark knight during that oh, scene i really? thought that was super good yeah there was there was one moment where paul dano he delivered he he like screams no in the most ridiculous way like i laughed like out loud when he said it like it was like the most it sounded like he had he had like fallen and skinned his knee like i thought that, that shit was, was creepy that like made I, me think I, of, like that made me think of something from like a resident evil game <laughs> i'm with bryce on this one i was oh, all really? about it i was all about it because i thought like you know he's like a child of the internet yeah. you know and it's like he's yeah. just like this weird ass dude who's just like in his room on his computer non-stop making all these riddles like I yeah. was I was all about it. Like that is like today's like the scariest person you can run into. Like yeah. that's that's them right there, and like it was portrayed very well. <laughs> sure, it, it fell a little flat for me. I think also the the main tension in that scene was kind of bogus too, because there there it starts out with uh, the Riddler kind of hinting that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne, yeah. but. It turns out he doesn't, and it, there, it's kind of funny because you see this reaction from uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman where his eyes kind of widen. He's like, oh, shit, he knows that I'm Bruce Wayne. But then yeah. he, you literally see him, like, breathe a sigh of relief later yeah, on right. when it comes out that he's like, oh, he doesn't actually know it's me. And it, it felt I, like... I mean, um, I thought that was super clever. Like, that definitely made me feel more tension in the scene than, like, I would have because, like... You know, like Batman's not gonna die. Like I don't, I, thought, I don't care if I don't care if he immediately solves the riddle. But like, if Batman's like identity gets revealed, like that would have been like massive for the plot. They're of setting the movie. up the DC Marvel crossover where Batman has to ask Doctor Strange to wipe <laughs> yeah, out go back in time. Yeah, <laughs> I I just thought that that interaction was really weak and kind of showed some of the weaknesses in the script of the film. Um, the one yeah. other. <laughs> gripe i had and this isn't so much just writing but it was a, a visual depiction i think the i know final, where you're going uh is it the final scene between batman and catwoman no <laughs> oh okay so there's this there's this sexual tension between uh zoe kravitz's catwoman and and robert pattinson's batman throughout the film kind of naturally that's kind of a big part of the comics and and the the depiction in, in all the media with with batman um and they're saying goodbye and uh, Catwoman is saying, oh, I might, I'm going to leave town. Like, you should come with me. And he says, no, I have to stay in the city. And they say goodbye to each other. But then they go on a playful ride on their motorcycles <laughs> through a <laughs> fucking cemetery for, like, much longer than they should have. And the whole time, I was like, I can't believe that I'm watching this right now. Like, this looks yeah. ridiculous. It was. I felt like... It's that feeling when you're you're talking to someone in the hallway and you're like, all right, I should go, and then you both yeah, walk yeah. in the same direction. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what it was like watching that. I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe that they're doing this like playful ride through the park. They should have like, they should have just like ridden next to each other for a bit, or, or and split off, or just like gone in opposite directions. I just that yeah. stuck with me so bad. I thought they were gonna do like a Fast and Furious Seven, you know, the moment where it's like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel and they drive off oh, on separate yeah. roads. But then it went on like 15 times as long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was kind of my my last point, my last pain point. Um, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll yield my, the rest of my time. To you I, I thought they were like building that like oh they're not gonna go their separate ways, but 
No, they still did. No. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. one thing that was my least favorite part about the movie was when um Batman was escaping the the police headquarters and I, it's all fine like it's this great moment where like there's like 500 cops around him and he's like pushing like them the off of Leon, him the professional yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. then like they're all like chasing him and like he does the play with um jeffrey wright uh, gordon to like get out of there but then like he gets to the top of the police building and he has to like jump off the roof and instead of having like the awesome like badass like batman um cape that like helps him fly he like has a wingsuit. He has like a dumbass like squirrel wingsuit. I hate that thing. <laughs> I okay. Okay. Like like the, it's they're trying to make it more like grounded, right? Because like a cape doesn't actually make you fly, but like that's just like one of the most iconic like Batman like images and like and things, and it's like a squirrel suit. Like come on. Okay. I, I, I didn't like that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like describe. I thought that that whole sequence. In the in the police station, oh, I, the I loved I loved the whole sequence. I just didn't, like his, I just like, didn't like his squirrel suit. <laughs> the whole thing was like, for me watching that, I, I just like I, it. Kind of struck me one one of the things that was special about this movie was that like, you know, you look at like, like I think the thing about this movie that's most important is that Batman is not a superhero, right? Yeah. Like he can't just Christian Bale could just like magically disappear from buildings, right? Batman needs like needs like an escape route right and just like the sight of seeing batman like fully costumes like walking around in hallways and like walking <laughs> through doors which is something that you really like i feel like you never saw <laughs> in other like that was like so like unsettling you know what i'm saying like all the scenes where he I, was I just like inside when he talking like emerges from like the shadows or like the first time like you see him like investigating the first murder and like he's just like yeah. in there and all the cops are just like giving him looks and shit that's what yeah. i'm saying like it was so cool like it's just it's such a subtle thing but it was so cool just like seeing him like just in a room just mm-hmm. like walking around you know what i mean and that sequence with like the 500 cops and there's the shutdown and the cops are all like they're like the like lead cop has this like super dope just like new york like like a union teamster kind of sounding like accent and he's got all of his like cops behind him he's like you're really gonna let this guy talk to you like that (laughs) (laughs) and then like the showdown that happens or like the fake showdown between him and jeffrey Wright, and then he's running up he's like running through the police station all the cops it's like literally this is batman right but he literally has to just like hightail it out of there, like 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 you're playing like Assassin's Creed or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Or that Arkham. whole sequence was so was like my mouth was open that whole sequence because this movie like they like took Christian Bale's Batman and they were like, what are all the things you could never imagine that version of Batman doing? And like this Batman is gonna do them. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, I love the sequence. Just if. You know, skip the realism for a sec and give him yeah. you know, a Batman yeah. cape instead of a wingsuit, and I'm happy. <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll, I'll weigh in just on that part, Bryce. I thought the wingsuit was fine when he deployed. I was like, oh, they're, they, the uh, the moment he like pushes a button, it literally just like encases his whole body, which is kind of I thought bizarre. it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked cool, and I, I was like, okay, he's gliding away. Like it's kind of a one-time use sort of thing. The thing that didn't sit. I, I liked super how he well crashed though. Oh, yeah. I, I see. That's what didn't sit well with me. I thought that was also kind of goofy. And like, 
I get it. It was a way to kind of like add some levity. Yeah, levity. No, it was just showing like he's still a novice. Like he doesn't usually jump off buildings. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. I don't know. He like he like crashes and like lands in like a pile of garbage, and then he's like, ugh, and he walks yeah, away. I, I didn't think it was I, funny. I was like, oh shit, like that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. That that was my only issue. It wasn't like I wasn't like a major pain point. I was just like, okay, like he, they're doing their thing. But yeah, the whole police sequence was great. I like how all the bat tech is like super analog. You know, it's like he doesn't have yeah. any magical technologies. Like, except, except for the contacts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. The contacts are pretty. But that, honestly, that almost felt a little kind of like, because it's like literal contact lenses. It's not like it's like built into the suit or something. It still had that kind of like analog, like, like it kind of reminded me of like the Matrix, you know, like when they're outside the Matrix, everything's sort of just like. It just kind of like minimalist, yeah. you know. Yeah. Alfred's like Alfred's cracking codes and with a pencil and paper while he's eating breakfast yeah. instead of like running it through us the super bat computer. Yeah, it yeah. kind of reminded me of Dune. Like you know how in Dune it's like everything's like they don't have like um, it's, it's computers. Like everything's techn like technologically wired. advanced, but still feels like a little ancient. Yeah, yeah. 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 like yeah, they have exactly. they have smartphones and they have like facebook live stream like that's a that's like a plot element in the film yeah, like right they, they, they're able to depict the batman technology like in a way that looks cool and feels very tactile i mean it makes yeah. sense right because like in today's day and age like you'd want to be like you know off the grid right like yeah yeah even all, though he, all, the all, co is, all cost all custom tech yeah 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 even though the bat cave is like in downtown gotham at least <laughs> that's how it looks um yeah, there wasn't there wasn't really much of a bat cave. It just felt like a garage. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like a leaky garage. Cause again, he's like this scrappy, just like I just imagine like if someone in New York actually tried to be Batman, like I feel like that was a pretty good portrayal of what it would be like. You yeah. know? Like it wouldn't it would be rough. Like <laughs> <laughs> like it would not be easy, like the way the Chris Nolan movies made it look, you know. Yeah, and even in even in his street clothes, I think there, there's kind of this scene that I've I've seen people kind of gushing over on, online about when um the first time that Batman returns back to the cave and he goes upstairs and Alfred is there waiting for him. He's like, oh, I have some fresh blueberries for you, and he's oh, wearing yeah. like an like an oversized like Nirvana T-shirt and like throws on these sunglasses and like looks like a total baller. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He, he's literally like e-boy Batman. I was I was yeah. gonna say I, I I leaned over to my girlfriend and said I bet he has his nails painted black right now. <laughs> like, the, the other the other 100%. interesting thing is that like you barely get like any Bruce Wayne in this movie. Yeah. Like a lot of Batman stories like have the concept that like Bruce Wayne is the alter ego, right? And like Batman is who he really is. Um, mm -hmm. And like you felt that super strongly in this because like I don't know how many how many minutes you think Robert Pattinson gets like outside of the costume in this movie. Like, I have to say, like ten a minutes. Lot of the, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the there were a few moments where he was without the costume, and there were those like dark like circles around his eyes. I assume like the imprint from the mask. And I was that was like so cringe. Like I yeah. was, every time he had like his mask off and he just had the big ass black circles around his eyes. It was like he just got like you know he just got out of Hot Topic. Like he could just got off his shift like as the cashier at Hot yeah. Topic. Like it, I was laughing. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention was um the or a couple of things related to the the Bruce Wayne. I think it ties back to Chris's point about Zoe Kravitz and Pattinson being like a little 
hard to to assess their acting chops here. Yes. I thought Zoe Kravitz was was pretty solid. I haven't seen her in really anything before, but I feel like we got a little bit more of her, um, especially because like the the visual difference between her as Catwoman and her and her street clothes is like not that different. Yeah. Um, but with this, because you don't get to see just Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne, and when he is playing him, he's like very muted and very quiet, and he's definitely this yeah. kind of like emo lurker kind of dude. I, I just like couldn't really tell how he was doing it. It didn't really res- like resound within me very much. Um, yeah. I thought it was fine. I think Pattinson is a good actor after seeing yeah. some of his other work, but um, this he just he didn't really stand out to me. Um, I, I will say he seemed to nail like the physicality of Batman like in the suit mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, but there wasn't enough time with him as Bruce Wayne to really judge that yeah. too much. I guess the funeral scene was probably the most you really saw of him. The the other scene, the other scene where I thought it was really good, Bruce Wayne scene was when um, Alfred was like in the hospital. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like he goes to the visit them, and you know, like he won't leave Alfred's side and whatever. Um, I thought that was like a super. That was like the most like best emotional kind of Bruce Wayne moment we got. Yeah. Um, I, the one last thing I wanted to point out is there's there's one scene, one of the the nightclub that is featured heavily in the film yeah. was very cool. That was a very cool location. Um, you don't get to really see, like, I don't think of like rave culture necessarily when I think of Gotham, but that definitely exists. In, I think in that's this a real club because I've seen pictures. I think that's a club called Printworks. Oh, that's man. in it, London. It looked, it looks super cool. And there's a scene later on where, you know, usually the first thing, like one of the first scenes is Batman literally just goes to the club and he yeah. like beats, he beats some guys down and like muscles his way through to get to Penguin. But later on, Bruce Wayne returns to the club with like his backpack with the bat yeah. suit in it, his like hat and his jacket. And like he, it looked like Robert Pattinson was reprising his role from Good Time. Like yeah. he was like at a dead sprint running through the club, like trying to get through and get away from everyone. Yeah. Um, which is I don't I doubt that was an homage, but that's all I could think about during that scene. Yeah, no, that was that was great. All the I mean, any movie for me that has like a nightclub scene, and especially a movie that has a <laughs> nightclub action scene, is like gonna be like at least three and a half stars just yeah by default because I just love depictions of nightclubs in movies, um, and especially every Batman time, in like the club. Somebody's, every time somebody's <laughs> knocking on that that door to the club again, Chris is like, oh yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> you're back. If there's yeah. a if if there's another Arkham game in the future, which I doubt there'll be, there needs to be a level where you fight your way through like the Penguins yes. nightclub. Yeah. Also, oh, I man. should note that the music, uh, um, at least one of the songs they're playing in the nightclub was by um, this DJ named Peggy Goo. I'm a big oh, fan of. Shout yeah, out Peggy to the to great. the Peggy Goo fans. Um, I do want to talk about though about my absolute favorite moment in the movie, which is a moment that we have not discussed, um, which is the reveal of the Batmobile. Oh man! So 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 um, Batman and Catwoman are outside <laughs> of uh, the Penguins drug deal, and I forget exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to like figure out. Um, they're trying to. I think they're trying to figure out whether they're the Penguin is the, the rat. Is. Yeah, whether he's yeah. the Alrata. Alada. Um, so anyways, there. Um, so Batman realizes Catwoman's there and she's trying to just like steal some money out of the trunk of a car. Right. Um, so then Penguin and the, and the fellas catch on that Batman's there and they start shooting at them. Right. And, um, you know, and also uh, uh, Gordon is there, too. Um, mm-hmm. And he's pulling up in the car. So there's a shootout going on and Batman disappears for a moment. Right. <laughs> and then there's a lull in the shooting. 
And then you just hear this almighty roar, which just rocks the Dolby Cinema. I mean, I was yeah. I was locked in. And and the the, yeah. the best part is that as the the roar of the engine gets louder. Mm-hmm. The penguin's just, mouth opens wider, and it's <laughs> just like, <laughs> wait, I missed that. It was so oh. cool. I literally, like, I, I literally, I, 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 like, held my hands out when he revved the engine. I like kicked. I was so excited that I like, I like, pressed my foot like against the the wall in front of me, like it was a gas pedal, and like my chair oh, rocked shit. back as the Batman was pulling out, and like just that moment was so cool. Just like, you know, the Penguin's face, he was like, "Look at the horsepower on that thing!" Like I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh, you could you could really feel in the Dolby Cinema every oh, rev of the God. engine, your seat like vibrating, oh, and just like God. the whole like audio throughout that entire car chase was like so cool. Yeah. Like at the end. And when like Penguin is like, you know, he crashes and his car is like um, rolling on top of itself, oh. rolling over and over. Like you hear the rolling like around oh, you or, and around you and around you in the Dolby the Dolby Cinema. That's that. I mean, that cinema is just spectacular. I will, I will, I I'm I'm like uh, 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 the prophet of Dolby Cinema. Like I will talk anyone's ears off who will listen about the glory <laughs> of Dolby Cinema. But that moment, the reveal of the Batmobile, and just watching the penguins reaction to seeing the batmobile like that is like my single greatest dolby cinema moment ever like i was i was like blown away like i was so just like excited in that moment and it was just, I, I was like, a little pissed off that um the the bit where like batman like jumps the truck and like lands through the fire got like revealed in the in, trailer like, in the trailer yeah i yeah. know because it was so like, cool if that, if, if they had not shown it in the trailer, that would have been like, it did, like no doesn't doesn't hurt like the film at all. It's more just like the advertising. They shouldn't have shown that. But like if that no. was like you saw it in the movie theater for the first yes. time, that would yeah. have been like, oh I, shit. But I, but you guys gotta watch the, the the start of that scene again because literally it just cuts back and forth between between the the the, <laughs> the, the, the flight the Batmobile is parked for like a solid ten seconds just yeah. revving its engine and the penguin is just staring at it and it's so awesome you guys gotta Cole especially <laughs> like if you if you rewatch that moment you'll see what I'm saying like it's yeah. super awesome Sad, sadly I missed the penguin's mouth agape sadly I also did not see this in Dolby I think I'm gonna be I think I will be seeing this oh, film again to. and and yeah I'm gonna try to get to the cinematic center this year or this this week, hopefully. Um, one thing I wanted to say, I was reading a bit about the Batmobile design earlier today, and one of the descriptions that I read was, um, Reeves wanted the Batmobile to feel like a wild beast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, they and, nailed it. And then um, it said, I like the idea of a, the car itself as a horror figure making an animalistic appearance to really scare the hell out of Batman, the, the people Batman's pursuing, which I think like worked perfectly. Apparently four like actual Batmobile units were designed for the film and the main one had a V8 engine that generated 650 horsepower. Oh man, that's all like... I could think was the horsepower on that thing. Yeah. Um, that description but... like they nailed it. The the Batmobile as an animal. Yeah. They nailed it. The, the other thing and I can't find where I read this but it was that um one of the audio part of the audio design for the Batmobile like the the sound of it turning on 
I think was like an old World War II era Jeep like revving its engine, <laughs> but then but then played in reverse, oh, which I thought man. was like badass. No, the sound design, oh. that moment is perfect cinema. Trust me, you're going to see it again in the Dolby Cinema. You'll realize that moment is like perfect cinema. We've watched The Power of the Dog. Uh-huh. You know, I think we've all seen it. All I could think <laughs> during that moment was the power of the bat. Like, <laughs> oh man, if Batman ended this movie in, in a different type of motorcycle, like a Harley Davidson, you know, he could have been on the, the power <laughs> of the, the hog. hog. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna cut this one short. We're not gonna continue like we did last last week. Um, I I know you guys were hyping up the the car chase scene, and the reveal was great. The the jump shot. Um, through the flames was amazing. The crash with the penguin was like was nuts. Like seeing yeah. him in the car tumble at times. I thought that the scene itself wasn't shot the best. I it was like a lot of close ups to the penguin, and I kind of actually had a hard time telling what was going on during the chase. Yeah. I, I I understand they, that they were using that cinematic camera from GTA Five. You know the one that's like <laughs> yeah, right. to the left of the front wheel of the car. I don't it, know. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It was just like I was confused as well because there was the initially they start driving into like oncoming traffic on this highway, and then eventually they're going with traffic and like trying to navigate through it. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic or an interesting thing I haven't seen in a chase scene is like kind of having to navigate with a lot of traffic on a highway. Um, yeah. But but overall, I thought it like it was just a little difficult to tell what was going on, especially because how foggy and rainy the, the scene is. I know that was like all of Gotham, but yeah, um, yeah it, I think it, the the opening was so strong. The middle part was a little was kind of weak, and yeah. then right towards the end, it picks up again. Well, the issue is because they were weaving through the cars so much, it was almost kind of a slow speed chase. And I yeah. wish we could have gotten more of just the all out horsepower. Of the Batmobile, you know, pedal to the metal. It should have gone more of like a Mad Max kind of vibe for that for that chase, and it would have just been perfect. But it it started amazing and it ended amazing, and yeah, the middle was a little. I'm a little sad also that we didn't get even more of the Batmobile in the film because like it was it's it looks so cool and like yeah they could if they would have if we hadn't gotten one more scene with batmobile roll or batman rolling through the streets and that thing it would have oh, been the, the batmobile is, the, the is end of the movie level. it acti- it activates its submarine mode yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns into the batcopter <laughs> oh man i mean i feel like this like you know we, we've been talking we've talked about like auto eroticism on the podcast with the Titan episode, and okay, I feel like hang on, hang on, you're putting words in our mouths. <laughs> Chris has talked about auto eroticism, and I, oh, I feel like that made a return with 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 the Batmobile. I mean, yeah, my engines were certainly revving. I'll tell you yeah, that. I mean, I, I didn't feel it in Titan, but I mean, I was feeling it in the Batman. Oh, yeah. You saw it in Dolby, Bryce. Yeah, oh. it was my first time in the Dolby in a while. Oh. I, I I resubscribed to the A list because I wanted to to go to the Dolby for this one. Yes. Yeah. I yeah I'll be I'll probably be going back to the theater this week. Oh, it's in, it's a must in, see in the Dolby. They talk about like okay, not to go on and on and on about Dolby Cinema, but I've read about like how there's transduce, transducers under the seats in in the Dolby Cinema that basically like they catch any bass frequencies and like vibrate your seat. And oh, I had man. I did not I've watched a lot of movies in Dolby and I never like actually saw that in action until seeing the Batman. Like the seats were literally shaking. <laughs> it would also just be like when Batman like punched a dude like super hard. Yeah, when he like, was banging, he when he was banging on the Riddler's also. cage, for example, when he was banging on the Riddler's yeah. cell, like the, the whole theater was shaking. Damn. 
you guys might have different Dolby theaters than mine because the one that I usually go to, I feel like, is not that visceral. You go to that old, that Olby cinema. Yeah, Olby. <laughs> That's what they'll call me when I'm older. Olby one. Uh, I want to talk about one of my other favorite aspects of the movie, which was like, which I really wasn't expecting. Like, I knew, I knew Jeffrey Wright was in it as as Lieutenant Gordon, but I wasn't mm. expecting there to be so much of this, as they said, as Penguin said, good cop, bat cop action. <laughs> like, I just love that it was like the two of them just like prowling the streets, like looking for clues. And they had really good kind of banter and chemistry yeah. between them. Yeah. I like that Jeffrey Wright or Lieutenant Gordon called Batman man a lot. He's like, yeah. hey man, like, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're doing here. Like, that was just very funny to me. <laughs> It was very. It was like almost like a like a buddy cop dynamic yeah. <laughs> between the two of them at parts, and it's it's kind of refreshing seeing like at least somebody. I mean, I guess Gordon's usually like a fan of Batman, but I feel like in other things he's usually a bit more conflicted and like kind of like playing it like lower. But in this, he's just like, I am your friend. <laughs> yeah, he loved Batman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, if Matt Reeves is listening to this, I want to pitch an idea for a scene in the follow-up film where uh, uh, Lieutenant Gordon jumps into the Batmobile and has to drive while Batman's like climbing out and like in a high-speed chase to oh, yeah. uh, get get the get the Joker or someone else off the off the streets. Um, yeah, that that would just, that just like feels right. <laughs> I want to see more of those two prowling the streets. I was just having so much fun watching yeah. that. Like you said, like. All their little, all the little detective scenes, like when they were doing the crime scene stuff, and you had the recurring joke of like all the cops worried about like Batman handling evidence and stuff. Yeah, which was he's, pretty like he's funny. got gloves on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey Wright is great. That's I think that he's slowly climbing the ranks in terms of the EV uh, actor ladder. Ah, uh, Jeffrey Wright is is top tier. Like, yeah, he he. Gotta watch some Westworld. So such an underrated actor. Like yeah. and and you know doing the rundown of the supporting cast. I mean, I like the mafia action. I feel like this movie had like actual chops as like a mob movie, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting. And you guys yeah. know how I feel about that genre. <laughs> so yeah, I, I will say one of the other weak points for the film for me, and this kind of goes back to the writing, is that a lot there was a lot of reference to the great Moroni drug bust, right? Yeah, right. Which is a, a, a kind of a big deal and kind of they, they talk about it within the department as yeah, and they, they never like put a face to who Maroney was it yes was kind of just like and, yeah and I'll, I'll be honest and I don't think this is offensive but when you have two characters one of whom is named Salvatore Maroney and the yeah. other one who's named Carmine Falcone yeah. I was like which who is who I didn't know what was going on at some yeah. points and you never actually even get to see who Salvatore Moroni is. I think yeah. if they even had like a picture of a like a mugshot or something just to show that he is different from John Totoro would have helped a lot. Yeah. And it was a bit confusing cuz it's like this off-screen event that's mentioned a lot but like you said none of the characters that are involved you get to see and and it's like factors into the plot and like they're even saying like there's that scene where Falcone is convincing Bruce Wayne that it was Moroni that had his father killed and it's like well we don't even what? know who that is yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely got a little bit lost there in the middle um but that was interesting they kind of like swapped around the classic batman origin right because like it's always just like some random joe chill on the street mm-hmm. that right. kills bruce's parents and in this like i guess they, there's no like they don't confirm for sure that like they were hit because of this whole 
Falcone thing. It's like, it's still like an open question that like it could have been a hit or it could have been a random guy. And yeah. Bruce just like doesn't know. But I don't know. What did you guys think of like how they kind of changed that classic origin? I, I'm honestly not sure what I'm I'm taking, thinking of it yet. Yeah. I think that the subject matter is malleable enough that it works for me. The, th- the idea that, you know, it was just some random act of violence is kind of the, the standard origin story. And the fact they kind of twisted it and made it into all it was. It may have seemed like a random act of violence, but it was a, a hit like made sense. And I ha- I had no real issue with that. The one thing that I did, I-, I didn't enjoy about that kind of plot thread was that it was going back and forth between Alfred and and um I think Alfred's discussion with with Bruce Wayne and how he's like, oh, my father had this journalist killed. And then Alfred's like, well, no, I know your father. He never would have done that. And it was this kind of back and forth, but it wasn't it was just like a person learning these details secondhand. And I just that was kind of weak for me. Uh, As far as like changing up the the narrative of who or how his parents were killed, I guess I, I, I didn't wasn't too opinionated about that. Um, I mean, I, I, it did help to advance the plot, right? That he like, you know, thought that maybe like Falcone was responsible or like, but one thing that I did think was pretty cool was like the idea. And I don't know if, if this is something that's been explored previously in other directions of Batman, but the idea that like, uh, Thomas Wayne was like corrupt himself and yeah. wasn't like this, like, you know, crusader for justice and like the whole, because you know the idea of just like the whole city is corrupt everything in it is corrupt and you have this one person who's like yeah. trying to be pure in an in in an island of corruption that goes even deeper than he even thought you know what i'm saying like his own father was was tied up in it i thought that was pretty good and i thought that like kind of is a great way to sort of like modernize the story a bit yeah um, kind of like they there's like a big disconnect between like bruce wayne and just like the regular people of yeah. the city right well there's this recurring kind of and look i i'm not i don't i don't take this seriously but there is this re- recurring kind of commentary people say about batman which is that like he's a rich dude who goes around like beating up poor people right mm-hmm. like that's a thing that you know i'm sure a lot of people have written college essays about <laughs> you know and like whether or not like that's something that is like you know we can fight about that but i i think it's interesting to like at least kind of acknowledge that like there's no way that like you know in let's say gotham is in america which you know it appears to be right yeah like there's no way that you could be that rich and powerful in a large city and not somehow like have your hands in like some kind of corruption you know what i'm saying so i just thought that that was a nice touch that sort of like kind of helped us the whole world feel a bit more realistic yeah. you know what i'm saying the the thing that disappointed me ultimately but i, and I agree with your point chris but I, it feels like they kind of like uh reeled it in though they're they kind of like threw it out there they said oh this like thomas wayne might have been corrupt and they're like oh no he wasn't just kidding he wasn't yeah um and and that i wish they kind of had the well, I think, but they still, they still like said like he had a relationship with Falcone and like he did tell Falcone like to make this guy shut up. He didn't necessarily like order like a hit, but like he ordered him to be like intimidated or something, you know? And then, yeah, I, so I, 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 I would, I wouldn't say that like, you know, they completely backpedaled on it. I think like it's yeah. a little more like complex than like the original presentation, but like they're definitely showing like, you know, he still didn't quite know. <laughs> He still wasn't like a perfect figure, and, you know. The whole the whole plot like circles around his um his fund or whatever that like gets 
gets misused. So obviously like, he didn't quite know <laughs> what yeah. he was doing when he, when he set that up, if like it could be abused so, so horribly. Yeah. To me, it felt just kind of like a half measure or maybe three quarter yeah. measure in a way. One, the one other moment, and this is maybe a delicate subject matter in a way, but the ending scene, which we haven't really talked about much where the Riddler in a very like comic booky fashion blows up the sea retention wall around Gotham and floods yeah. downtown, which is like, I was talking about like, no, I don't think any city maybe except for New Orleans is in a situation where if you damaged one piece of infrastructure, it would become flooded instantly. There were, there were like 12 bombs. There well, I think, I think that some projections say that like New York will end up needing like a, a, a wall like that uh, in the future. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But, um, the the scene ultimately that 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 is less of what I was have a gripe with, but the the scene where um they they uh the city kind of aggregates in Gotham Square Garden or whatever it was actually <laughs> called, and yeah. basically the Riddler has amassed a following of QAnon like uh, yeah. diehards that show up to this event with guns and masks, and at yeah. first when they came on the screen I was like, yo th- this is like this is really dark. Like this yeah. is like some January sixth. Like this is yeah. I, if they yeah. go. Like, through. It was like it was like terrifying, but also like it's like something that you could like see like actually happening. And like, today, yeah. like as, as dark it as has it, is. it has yeah. happened, which is yeah. Un- yeah, as yeah. unfortunate as it is. And I'm not saying that I I in no way like endorse that, but the fact that this like group of people came like aggregated together and they eventually just be, they like became batman fodder like it was not as sinister as they like see made it depict at, from the jump if that makes sense um yeah i thought they were getting ready to do a mass shooting in there yeah and and like it, it's horrible saying i don't wish they'd committed to that but i thought they were going to and like that would have been like pretty like impressive in its own right yeah. I, I think that's what like their plan was yeah but, then but they didn't Batman actually get stopped them yeah. right yeah like they, they got the one shot they got like a couple shots off on the um and the mayor elect yeah. yeah i was no i was i was pretty impressed that they went to those lanes i've been listening to this new york times podcast called rabbit hole which is great mm. podcast and it talks about like the whole kind of history of like the kind of recent history of the internet and like how it like radicalizes people Hmm. And like how it actually like has like you know how the the whole journey from like just like random content on the internet that ends in like you know people actually going into the streets and committing violent acts. It's a super cool podcast, by the way. You guys should check it out. Um, but like yeah. I've been listening to that recently, so seeing that in the movie was like I was like wow, like this is like they're going into like real stuff here, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like a very kind of risky sort of thing, you know, especially given that like the history of batman movies even coming out in the theater you know um, yeah and um so so I, I was impressed I, I i feel like they did a good job with like setting it up and you know maybe like i think they could have taken it even darker potentially but i think they did a good job with it yeah i think if they had taken it darker the film definitely would have been rated r yeah um, which they were likely to avoid so i i understand why they like why they didn't do it but um yeah i was just like kind of shocked when it came to it and Again, it sounds weird. Like I'm, I'm like impressed that they had the gumption to do it. Yeah. In the first place. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a super tense, tense ending. Um, yeah. And the one moment I wanted to mention was, you know, Bruce 
Batman's like down and out, right? And Catwoman's like oh. about to get <laughs> about did. to get killed, and he like he boosts up like that. Was, that had to be some venom, right? He sauces himself. He like <laughs> he bowls out his emergency canister of, of tea, and he yeah. slaps that, 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 that was that was like some of the bane like venom juice. No? Yeah, that that was pretty. That was a pretty wild sequence. Like that it was, was colored. That like, was exactly Dew, the same. That was Mountain Dew live wire too. <laughs> and and speaking of a live wire. Uh, the following moment is Batman and I, I this is maybe another small gripe I had with this but like the fact that he jumps and grabs this electrical wire that's dangling and then cuts it off and then plunges into the water below like from a like technical standpoint did not make any sense to me well I was thinking um, about it I assumed his that his suit is like electrically like non-conductive but then that, yeah. when he cut it with his little bat batarang like then he obviously like was be conducting electricity yeah the the other thing and like i get it this is this is kind of nitpicky i understand but also i don't believe if that had fallen in the water like there were enough people were far enough away from it that i don't believe like it wouldn't have posed much of a risk in terms of electrical shock it just seemed kind of like a I, I don't know. I feel like he could have. But it was a it was a cool. I mean, again, it was a pretty sweet heroic yeah. moment. But, yeah. but like, you know, we were talking in the Dune episode about like ways to like get that rated R feeling without actually the movie being rated R, and just like the sight of like you know you have all these people desperately trying to escape, and you have this live wire in the mm-hmm. water just like roasting people alive. Like that was like pretty graphic without being gory. Like I was like like just like the sound of the electricity and like just. You know, all these people just, you know oh, what I mean? And then, I, didn't, I didn't realize people were getting shocked. I thought it was, I didn't think it was posing a risk at the moment. I thought he swung onto it and hadn't yet reached the water. I mean, no, people were screaming it. and getting shocked. Okay. And there's like a moment where like, there's like a moment where it kind of slows down. And, and cause it was after, right after the Riddler, like copycat guy said, I'm vengeance. Yeah. And then, and then everything slows down and Batman kind of surveys the scene and he realizes like, my job is not to like get revenge. My job is to like protect yeah. the people of this city. And he okay. sees them all getting like roasted to death by this live wire. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes what his true purpose is and basically like sacrifices himself to save everyone. I thought that was a fantastic moment just for like the evolution of the character over the course of the movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. These, these extra details, you only get them in the Dolby cinema. Yeah. I, I guess my, my theater maybe just, they like actually cut out those key moments when you see it at a plug screen. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, that's what Chris was just saying was something I was kind of like alluding to in my initial reaction was that I really loved kind of the character growth of Batman throughout this movie being like, you know, starting off as like I am vengeance and then like, you know, turning into like the hero and like the symbol of hope that the that the city needs. It sounds like we maybe have uh, wrapped up or reached moving a... Into, moving into last call a little bit. Yeah, last call. I think we should briefly conclusion. talk about, you know, what's what's coming next. Obviously, they're going to make uh, yes. a second movie with uh, the Batman and uh, these Maybe these a actors. trilogy. Maybe a trilogy. I maybe hope they do make more 17 of them. Of them. Yeah. Um, but the movie, like, ends in a pretty wild place with, like, Batman and, like, and Gotham is, like, completely flooded and, like all sense of like normalcy is gone. It reminds me of um, like the status quo at the end of the first season of the, that Harley Quinn show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like super exciting, like going forward, like just kind of like a, a completely lawless Gotham. And like, there are like some actual like Batman comic stories out there where like they just like the police and like Gotham Beauty just decides to like abandon the city because like 
there is no there is no more hope for it and then like batman is like the only one that stays behind to kind of keep some semblance of like safety and justice um you also, you also see that in like some like alternate universe batman stories um but i think they could do a lot of exciting things with that going forward um hopefully when the next movie starts like you know they aren't back to completely rebuilt gotham i hope we get this like kind of era of like even even a darker a darker yeah. world for for them to be in and then of course um the very end of the movie we, we see a central viewing fan f- or a central viewing host favorite actor barry keoghan finally yes finally show up he was listed in the credits as like a police officer or something no he, he's listed as an un- unnamed un- arkham named- prisoner Yes. But that, that's not what he was listed at before the but movie they like, came out. They like did a fake Be- out before. Yes. Before the movie came out, he was like listed as like Gotham police Sergeant officer or something Mosley like that. Mosley or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. They, they they changed it when the when the movie came out. But it's revealed that like he is he's the new Joker and he's already locked up in Arkham. Um, so that, I think that's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what Barry Keoghan does with that role, but I want to see what you guys thought. I'll say this. I was reading a bit of an interview with Matt Reeves, and he like was pretty adamant in saying that Barry Keoghan will not, like they're not going to do the Joker. Why would they Why would they cast him specifically then? Well, well that and that's the thing is, so I was reading, there's a little bit more to maybe, it. Maybe um, not in the second movie, but maybe like in the third movie or so, something. So uh, alleged, apparently there was a scene in the film originally set in the film where uh batman goes to arkham i I read this article yeah (laughs) profiles the joker to kind of get inside the mind of the riddler oh like a hannibal lecter sort of yes exactly and and that apparently matt reeves after an initial test screening decided that that scene did not play very well and so um but then and so he cut out all of barry kilgan like altogether but then actually put in this last scene where they they just kind of show that the Riddler has some kind of camaraderie. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that if there's enough hype for it, and like I think that Barry is is unsettling enough as an actor that he'd probably do a pretty <laughs> interesting job as the Joker. Maybe I read a different article, but the article I read, he said that he felt that the scene itself wasn't necessary for the plot, but he said that he loved the scene so much that he thought about like releasing the scene on yes. its own potentially. Yes, which I would love to see for yeah. sure. I mean, for me, it's a double-edged sword because obviously, you know, Barry Keoghan is like probably one of the best. I don't even know if we can call him up and coming anymore because he's been in a lot of stuff. But he's, he's one of the here. yeah he's here and he's one of, he's one of the best of like young actors that there is. At the same mm. time though, and I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I would love to see our boy Joaquin Phoenix in the oh, Matt man. Reeves Batman verse. I would love that to would see be that. Wild. Because the thing that'd be cool too is he because Joker was set in like the eighties he he'd be playing like a. Like a super old Joker, right? Yeah, that'd be I feel interesting. like that would be super dope, but it sounds like that has no chance of, of happening. Um, yeah, but I would love to oh, see that. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. I yeah. think it would. It would be pretty cool though. I think um, we'll definitely be seeing Barry again in another movie. I don't think they would. Yeah, but hype Barry up is a great substitute. This, I mean, this guy as the new Joker, and then just yeah. not not use him maybe not in the yeah. next one but i'm sure somewhere down the line we're gonna 
we're gonna see yeah. that. Yeah. Eventually, Doctor Strange will come over and oh, he'll, God. he'll bring in all the Jokers from across the, the Joker verse. <laughs> the, the, the Joker verse, yeah. and they'll they'll do a very 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 yeah. distasteful like CGI. They'll Heath bring. Ledger they'll and, have a, a, a cameo from Jokey McGuire. Uh-huh. 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 All right, now it's it's Chris's joke that falls flat this week. Thank God. Um, okay, c- continuing. You know, you'll get you'll get Jack Nicholson. You'll get Mark oh, Hamill. Yeah. You'll get Joaquin Phoenix. And yeah. who could forget Jared Leto? They'll all be there. Oh God, Jesus Christ! Oh God. Um, I uh, continuing last call. Um, I just had two points. One, just watching this movie made me want to go back and play Batman Arkham Knight. Or any yeah. of the oh, yeah. Arkham games. Those games are Arkham, fantastic. Arkham City, I think. Yeah, Arkham City. Uh, Arkham City, I think, is like the the best. Arkham Knight is the most recent and like probably the best looking version the, of it. The, the tone, the tone felt very similar to Arkham City, though. Yeah. yeah. Or I and I I loved the kind of gothic, like kind of almost horror elements and design choices in the Arkham Asylum game and like even the menu navigation. And this movie reminded me a lot of it. Um, that's just one point. I I may actually re-download that and boot up the old PlayStation just to get more of that Batman action. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, and I want to keep it brief because we're running long, is uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. <laughs> um, we didn't really discuss him much. I thought he did a pretty solid job in the role. He looked. I couldn't like if you told me like. To, to say who that actor was, I'd say it was Robert De Niro in a fat suit. <laughs> yeah, I, he, I completely forgot who was playing the Penguin like during the movie, and I had no idea who okay. it was. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I'm surprised you say he was all right. I thought he was. I mean, I I just seen I just seen him in a in a wildly different role the day before in After Gang, uh-huh. playing like a, a like a a doting father to like mm-hmm. a little girl, and then to see him the next day, I, I thought he was incredible. I mean, I yeah. thought he really like. Knocked it maybe out of I the should, park. Maybe I should go back and say I thought I I thought he did great, but I wish we got to see more of him. Like yeah. I, he felt a little diluted. I actually think a lot of the the side characters of this film were diluted just because there were so many of them. I know that that's kind of you know you have to make oh, these... they're, they're setting the stage for the the TV show coming HBO. <laughs> yeah, which All that right. that like leads to other problems maybe. But um, I don't yeah, want to see no damn spinoff TV show. Just give me more movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like supposed to be called Gotham PD, like starring uh, Jeffrey Wright. So I, I just I just saw an article that came out today that said that it's actually going to be like an Arkham. They're changing the focus to, from Gotham PD to like an Arkham, like House of oh. Horrors Arkham thing, where it's like all the creepy things that happened in Arkham. I will say I was a little disappointed when this started because like the first murder happened on um, Halloween, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they made a very good point to show that it was on this holiday. So I was expecting um, the long Halloween with Calendar Man to be a surprise adaptation. Yeah, which a lot of the, the actual like plot points from this are pretty similar, at least in yeah, terms of the long yeah. Halloween being early on in Batman's career. That's also a very good graphic novel for those that are looking to do some essential reading. Uh, my only last call is um, I think one of the other very like crucial members of the supporting cast I'm using that in a metaphorical sense, is the cinematography of this mm. movie. Uh, now, this movie uh, was shot by Greg Frazier, who is the same cinematographer as Dune. So this guy is really oh. on, a, on a run. I mean, he's... He he's, loves the color orange. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going on a run. But, like, you know, I, I've watched a lot of comic book-based movies, not as many as Bryce has, but I've watched a lot of them. And never before... Have I felt more like I was literally like watching a comic book like brought to life? Uh, 
like the cinematography was so stylized and just so like visceral and like there were so many shots where like they they use I'm pretty sure they use like anamorphic lenses on this movie and what those do is like they turn whatever's out of focus into this really like kind of like dreamy and like milky looking like wash of kind of shapes and colors so you have so many like of these awesome close-ups of batman where it's just like or other characters too where it's just like their face and it's just like all this like kind of wash of color behind them and i just really felt like a lot of the shots it's like i could see the comic book like on the screen you know what i'm saying and i just felt like like the visuals as far as like superhero movies go i feel like this movie like has like the best kind of like visual style that I've ever seen in one of them. Mm. That's one of my complaints about Marvel is just like, why doesn't it look like a comic book? Why does it kind of just look like a generic kind of like Netflix movie? And this was like totally on the other side of the spectrum. Like it's so stylized yeah. and just so sleek and the, just the only so one that, I think that tops The only one that tops this one for me would be the end of the Spider-Verse, but that's animated so they get to do yeah. a lot of different crazy things with yeah. that one. <laughs> I mean, they can literally just draw a comic book on screen, but yeah. like as far as like live action goes, you know, it, it just, it felt like it was just coming from another world, you know what I mean? It didn't, I was just in awe, like, how is this real? Like, how is this, how is this live action? Because it looks so... Yeah, one, one of my favorite things was just like how cool Gotham City was. Yeah. And like, just the mood. It looked unreal, but it was real at the same time. And like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking. Like, you know, obviously, like the Nolan movies are like iconic and classic. But like visually, this, this honestly made those movies look a little flat. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not. It, it didn't. I don't think it beat. It beat those movies in in any other aspect, really. But but visually, it, it they destroyed like the Nolan movies. I thought. Yeah, the Nolan films yeah. have that very early aughts, like flat blue kind of color palette or yeah. and, and cinematography and like o- like overall look. And this, yeah, blows that out of the water. This but movie, I, yeah, I it felt point. like it was in 3D. Like <laughs> it, it was it was jumping out of the screen. And, you, you know, again, you only get that in the yeah, Dolby, the Dolby cinema. cinema. Yeah, I mean, for real. <laughs> But yeah, yeah that, that's that's my my last call. I wanted to quickly say we we never brought up how cool the opening scene was when like all these criminals are like running around Gotham and like they all think like Batman is like stalking them. Yeah, yeah. the opening of this like, movie is really strong. Yeah. Well, okay, wait a second. Was that the opening? That wasn't the opening, right? Because the opening or, is like oh, the opening was the Riddler like watching. Was it the Riddler? To... I was so confused. Was that the Riddler? Because there's more you, scenes you later it, where the Batman is using binoculars. You think it's to watch Batman? But, for but there are different bit, right? types of binoculars. Yeah. You got to that, see that detail. Yeah, that was mad confusing because that was the first thing you see. Also, one little gripe I had about this movie is that like <laughs> the like I I am someone who like is very particular about the way that title cards are done in movies. I think that when a title card is is like when when they drop it at the right time it can be like a super cool one like stalker for example like everyone remembers the double title card in stalker right <laughs> and like everyone everyone on this podcast does yeah yes. and like i felt like it was kind of disappointing how in this movie it's it just like you just see the title and it, it, like, there's no kind of build up like i kind of wish they'd like drop the title like a little further in mm-hmm. and like at a cool moment 
so that it's really hits. When, 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 he, when it, Batman announces, I am vengeance. No. When, yeah. when the Batman. Batmobile is revealed, that's when the trial. The title <laughs> Honestly, yes. That would have been so cool if they just waited like an hour and a half and just dropped it right when the Batmobile's engines rev. Like, I would, I would have loved it. Like, there's someone been screaming. Yes. No, I, I, I like had an involuntary reaction and I literally kicked. I like kicked the wall in front of me and I held my hands out like a steering wheel and my chair rocked back. Like the, the people sitting in front and behind of Chris both like asked for refunds because yeah, their, oh, their, their, their view experience was ruined. To the people in row I and row J. <laughs> oh man. Okay, we got we got to okay, wrap this up, guys. Wait, wait, one last thing: we ah. never mentioned how great the score was as well. Yes. From um, Michael Giacchino, I feel like um, there hasn't been like this good of like a. a superhero score since like the older like original like um batman and, and superman movies like those those both have like iconic theme songs but this one is like is like right up there like the Nolan movies like have some good music too but it's just like loud it's hans zimmer like, right yeah yeah like yeah. like they're they're good but like this one just like it, it felt like iconic having like only heard the song for like the first time in the movie yeah i like listen to the soundtrack today but like it's just been playing in my head non-stop yeah and the, the the soundtrack for this lends itself very well to kind of a horror movie as well there's lots of high strings there's a lot of kind of these like sudden jolts that really get your attention um well well the bar is closed thank yeah. god Closing we're, we're not we're not we're not selling drinks anymore let's let's head out to the sidewalk and uh give our, our ratings while we wait yeah. for the bus huh uh bryce um we've talked about this too long this is already a very long podcast obviously i liked it a lot um it isn't quite you know the best batman movie ever that's obviously the dark knight and this doesn't you know get to that level but like you know we've, we've gushed and and loved this movie for a long time or we've discussed it for a long time here and i think it sounds like i kind of liked it more than you guys did so i think um I, it was just missing like a little bit of that final oomph for me yeah. um so i think i'm gonna go with four stars oh man all right i mean the dark knight where we have the five star batman movie yeah it's definitely not as good as the dark knight no, um maybe no. maybe four, maybe i'd give it four and a half if i watch it again but for right now i think i'm at four yeah i i feel comfortable um yeah i agree with your point bryce it does not like it does not stack up and i don't want to get into this point of comparing the films like so closely to each other because i want there to be like unique takes and to, to say like yeah. oh this film isn't necessarily it is dark and grimy and gritty and nasty maybe even more so than the dark knight films but there is this kind of there's a there's more like seriousness like the dark knight wants it to be taken like itself to be taken so seriously and this there's a little bit more freedom and a little yeah. bit more kind of whimsy if, if that's the right word yeah. um but i do think that the writing for this film was pretty la it's kind of lackluster for me i i'm not quite gonna say uh i'm gonna take a mulligan on this but i'm i'm going to tentatively assign this film uh three stars with Ooh. the option to three to that's one star away from your score with the I option feel like a three and a four is like a big difference between the two okay wow well, three I, is harsh and and i'm and hang on you i'm gave saying no time to die a better rating didn't you no i gave no time to die two and a half oh man um, this and is a half. This is more than a half star better than No Time to Die. I, hang on, I, you guys aren't letting me. We're, we're gonna bully you into changing your score. No, cool. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I I I'm going to go re, like go see this again, and I have a feeling 
especially after seeing it in Dolby, <laughs> that yes. I, I may reassess my score. Because part of me did leave the theater, and like I wanted to love it as much as the people on Letterboxd. I think it is way overhyped on Letterboxd. Um, but I want to see it again, and I think I will be re- assessing it but i'm rating i'm assigning this rating now based on how i felt over the last like day oh, thinking about man. it so no matter what i rate this movie it's not going to get the seal of approval which no. just feels incredibly wrong to me even though it has problems i, I could go i could go four and a half i was you want to you want to broker half. a deal bryce you want to oh, cut man, a deal you guys here? are politicking now <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll go four and a half you guys are I, as that's, corrupt that's, that's as what all i thought the, when, when i left the city theater. officials but like you guys brought me down a little bit but then like i went back up so four and a half. Yeah, this movie um. has to get the seal of approval. Look, it had problems, <laughs> but like it was so much like it, I had such a great time watching it. And I was just so pulled in to like this 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 radical new vision of Batman and of Gotham. And you have so many killer performances. You know, we didn't talk too much about John Turturro as well, but just like so many just killer performances and just so many like. It, it just we felt didn't even like talk about how Catwoman was her his daughter. I thought that yeah, was super good. That was know? cool. It felt like we were just seeing like a sliver of this big gigantic world. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it's hard for a movie to, to to do that. Even a three hour movie, it's hard to make you feel that way. Like there's so many little. It felt like there are other stories happening in that world that we're not even aware of. And like I want to know about them. You like, know what like I mean? The twins that always answer the door at the nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a video game. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it felt like I felt like I had the controller in my hand driving the Batmobile. Like the movie had problems, but like it's it's still just like a radical reimagining of of Batman that has like a, a ton of potential. Like I want to see more of these movies. I want to see more of like Matt Reeves take on the franchise so i'm gonna cut my corrupt backroom mafioso deal with bryce oh, and give God. this movie four and a half stars so we can get it the seal of approval that it deserves no that's still 12 you guys we're not there i'm not that corrupt i can't give it five thank, thank you it, the only option is if oh, I... Oh, wait. Cole only gave it three. I thought Cole gave it three and a half. No. Yeah, Cole only gave it three. Ah, oh, man. If Cole gave it three and a half, he could have given it five. Yeah, you guys oh. tried to whip the votes, but I am the beacon of light of this podcast. I am, oh. I'm eradicating the darkness. I'm only telling you guys three that... Stars. It can, if 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 I... I'm going to see three this again. Three stars is brutal. Okay, but just adjust for the fact that you didn't watch it in Dolby Cinema so that we <laughs> add a star on. Yeah. That's four. I'll, I'll plug it into my spreadsheet. <laughs> Um, no, I'm saying I think that it has potential to get the seal. The seal. We gave Spider-Man No Way Home the damn seal of approval, <laughs> and that was on you guys. I also rated that the lowest. I think of all of us. See, that's what I get for being nice. What <laughs> listeners, listeners, if you're still with us after nearly two hours, you'll have to stay tuned for next week to learn if this film actually gets the essential viewing. Can seal we of just approval. not rate no, it? Can we just not of, rate the no, movie no, and just as let, of and right like, now, wait for you to doesn't. watch it in Dolby? No, as of right now, it doesn't. I will. We'll have a special segment next week where Cole revisits his score. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to fix this. This doesn't make but, any sense. And that's that's okay. That's why we have the year in review as well. So if, if, we it, need, if it, you, you hear that, listeners, you have to wait until the end of the year yeah. to learn if the Batman right. is essential viewing. We, this this podcast is going to be almost as long as the Batman. Let's let's uh, let's get this shit together. Okay. Um, all right. The Batman, you heard it here first. 
the rating is inconclusive. We have a hung jury. No, 12. The it's 12, 12. 12. Measly 12 it's, out of 13. It's 12 stars. out of... <laughs> 15. 12 out of 15 with a gigantic asterisk that Cole didn't properly view the movie. Cole fell asleep, that <laughs> no, son of a bitch. No, I did not fall asleep. I'll tell you the story Damn after. Damn it, Cole. <laughs> um, anyway, it's my pick for next week. Yeah, it's Cole's pick. What do you got, oh, Cole? Oh, man. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna hate whatever I think. I, I think now. Bryce and I are gonna sit this one out, actually. <laughs> well, I, oh god! I Cole's was hoping... going to pick that stupid movie that he wants to watch. What was it called? Are you going to uh, take a guess? No, no, the one like you were trying to get us to watch, but we don't want to. Oh no, yeah. I'm not going to pick um, ultrasound. ultrasound. I'm going to watch that, but I'm not going to pick that for next week. No, <laughs> I've I've started. I thought long and hard, and I mean this may be an obvious pick for you guys, but I've been thinking long and hard about um, the films I want to you know subject you guys to. And I've made a list, and I'm looking at the list right now. So I have, You're checking I, but it twice. I'm, yeah, I'm checking it twice, and you guys have been very naughty. So um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna watch an, another kind of naughty film from 1983. Ooh. It's a relatively recent addition to my uh, film resume, okay. and I'm excited to rewatch it. This is Paul Brickman's 1983 classic, Risky Business. Starring Tom ah. Cruise. Um, I know ah, Cru- you've been hyping this one up for a while, Cole. Yeah, and hopefully I haven't hyped it too much. But I know this has been on Chris's watch list for a while. Yeah. I'm excited. It's a bit um, of a detour from the recent trend we've been on, at least in terms of watching the Batman and a lot of like indie films <laughs> earlier this year. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to rewatch this. It's kind of a it's a very interesting like 80s coming of age con. Uh, comedy and it's unlike any that other sounds like it's right up my alley yeah and it's unlike any other coming of age comedy i've ever seen so i'm i'm very excited for this one i hope you guys enjoy it despite the essential politicking and near filibuster that occurred <laughs> at the end of this, we will not this, stop uh, this recording until the batman is essential viewing oh yeah, god for real um but anyway so next week we'll be watching risky business so uh, throw on a, a white button-up shirt and strip down to your tidy whiteies and slide across the floor because we're gonna we're gonna be in for a good time. I hope you guys like it. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Well, you didn't hear it here first, but risky business next week on the podcast. The battle lines are being redrawn before our eyes. The, the <laughs> this old... is what essential viewing is all about. <laughs> the factions are changing before our very eyes. Uh, yeah. um, but we're, we'll continue this battle next time uh but until then i'm christian cuevas here with cole bielen and bryce kramer and thank you for listening yeah he evolves he evolves from the peak sigma male to just a beta um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and maybe I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs>